Hello, and welcome to the Tao Te Ching for Everyday Living. I'm your host, Dan Casas-Murray. This podcast is for the Tao curious, those looking for a random bit of wisdom once in a while, or for those who want to dive into this wonderful teaching. I've been studying the Tao Te Ching for just short of a year now, and have reconnected with a natural feeling of inner peace and contentment. I don't hold a doctorate, nor am I qualified to teach anything about the Tao Te Ching. I'm just an ordinary person who has experienced the wonderful side effects of following the Tao. Since everyone's experience with this wisdom is different, the only thing that I can hope for is that mine helps you to connect with a Tao in your own unique, personal way. Feel free to listen to each episode a day at a time, or anytime you need a quick Tao shot. You can listen while you're on your way to work, or after that, when you're winding down. It's always a good time to observe the Tao. In each episode, we'll do four things. One, we'll read a verse of the Tao Te Ching. Two, I'll break it down into everyday language. Three, I'll share my own thoughts and experience. And four, I'll leave you with a couple of the many ways you can put the Tao into practice for yourself. That's pretty much how I've been practicing the Tao every day. By listening to Lao Tzu, reflecting on his words of wisdom, listening to other comments, and trying to practice them in everyday life. Thanks for joining me today and enjoy this episode of the Tao Te Ching for Everyday Living. Verse 58, Practicing Balance When the government is non-discriminative and dull, the people are contented and generous. When the government is searching and discriminative, the people are disappointed and contentious. Calamity is that upon which happiness depends. Happiness is that in which calamity is latent. Who knows when the limit will be reached? Is there no correctness used to govern in the world? Then the correct action becomes the perverse, and the good again will become evil. The people have been deluded for a long time. Therefore, the sage is as pointed as a square, but does not pierce. He is as acute as a knife, but does not cut. He is as straight as an unbent line, but does not extend. He is as bright as light, but does not dazzle. That's verse 58 of the Tao Te Ching, translated by Wing Tsit Chen. Next, let's break it down. This verse has three parts to it, and we'll take each part one idea at a time. Part one talks about the government and the people, or our consciousness and our lives. Part two talks about the cycle of prosperity and destitution. And part three talks about practicing balance. At first glance, all of these parts seem to be pretty disparate. In the first part, we're talking about government being non-discriminative and dull. Lin Yutang calls it a lazy government. (laughs) 
Um, and then the second part, we're talking about the seeds of misfortune are planted in success, basically. And the third section says, okay, well, what do you mean? We're pointed as a square, but don't pierce? Like, okay, what do you mean? Like, these are like, how do these concepts actually fit together? At least that's what I thought about when I first read it. But it kind of makes a little sense after I think about it for a little while. The first part talks about government and the people, but really I feel like it's just mentioning our consciousness and our lives. So if my consciousness is my government and I am the people, the basic idea is when I put my attention on things that I don't desire, like I'm just here, right? I'm be here now, as Ram Dass said. Um, when I can do that, the people are contented. I am contented, right? Okay, so then the second part is just a warning. It's like, look, if if you're doing the first part and you're being here now, awesome. But if you're not, and you're like going along with being happy about stuff and you're being sad about stuff, like those are basically two extremes of the swing of of the pendulum, right? And so if you're on one extreme, what happens is you come and you go back to the other one. Does that mean that we're not supposed to be happy or sad or anything? No, no, of course we're humans. We're along for the ride, but just being aware that this, this pendulum is always swinging. You know, we talked about that a couple of verses ago. So the third verse basically says, okay, well, in order to avoid just the exhaustion that sets in from all of that, we can practice balance by, by trying to stay in the center. And so how do we say, how do we stay in the center? Well, we become lazy and dull, non-discriminative and dull, <laughs> just like the government. Of course, this is talking about that paradox of do nothing. Uh, so this whole thing is about Wu Wei, I feel like, right? Um, so it's basically like, okay, I practice Wu Wei. I'm doing nothing. Um, which, okay, so, you know, we're calling that non-discriminative and dull, but that means, you know, doing nothing in the Wu Wei sort of way, which doesn't literally mean do nothing. It means just, you know, stop having desire, stop having ambitions that are based on self, right? Stop doing that. Because what happens is when you don't do that, you become enmeshed in the swing of the pendulum back and forth of between happy and sad and happy and sad. So do your best to stay in the middle, despite, you know, what happens in life, just do your best. And eventually we will be able to practice contentment. So those are the three parts of this first. Let's go ahead and wrap that up. Part one talks about the government and the people or our consciousness and our lives. Part two talks about the cycle of prosperity and destitution. And part three talks about practicing balance. So let's put that back together. I'll read verse 58 again. When the government is non-discriminative and dull, the people are contented and generous. When the government is searching and discriminative, the people are disappointed and contentious. 
Calamity is that upon which happiness depends. Happiness is that in which calamity is latent. Who knows when the limit will be reached? Is there no correctness used to govern the world? Then the correct action becomes the perverse, and the good again will become evil. The people have been deluded for a long time. Therefore the sage is as pointed as a square, but does not pierce. He is acute as a knife, but does not cut. He is as straight as an unbent line, but does not extend. He is as bright as light, but does not dazzle. Let's take a look at some of the things that this verse made me think about today when considering practicing balance. There are three. Number one, pushing creates resistance. Number two, growth opportunities and their disguises. And number three, threading life's needle. Pushing creates resistance. At the beginning of this podcast, like about a month and a half before it launched last year, I got inspired. It was after a cup of coffee. And I was so inspired by the Tao Te Ching, happy even, that I could finally access it, you know, like finally have a way to get into it, understand it, and get what I'd wanted for so many years of my life. So I decided I wanted to talk about it. I got out my microphone and started talking. I think I had been on verse 46 at the time. Now, shout out to the late Dr. Wayne Dyer, who, along with Stephen Mitchell, made the Tao Te Ching something that I could understand and digest. Now, the process from just talking into a mic to getting a full episode worked out took some work and required patience. Sending the drafts out to folks, getting feedback on what was a good episode and what wasn't, making changes, all the things. Finally, I had a working outline for how each episode could work, and it seemed like it was time to launch. So I got together 10 episodes and thought I'd start there. It had been a lot of work already, and I didn't want to keep doing it if it wasn't going to be useful for anyone. But you listened, and after about a week, you told me that I need to keep going. (laughs) So I did. At first... I had thought I could create an episode every few days. You know, talking about it was effortless, and I had been reading the Tao Te Ching a verse a day for almost a year. So when I started having trouble cranking out the episodes, I became agitated. I started beating myself up for not setting aside the time or even having the time to really get into a verse, internalize it, and then talk about it. I started feeling the sense of bitterness that I didn't have enough time to devote to this journey and when that happened the words didn't come as easy I wasn't able to sit with a verse and contemplate it as effortlessly as I had before and I was just flabbergasted by how all that inspiration and tranquility I had with the Tao Te Ching earlier seemed to kind of evaporate I knew I was doing something wrong but I wasn't sure what it was so I got quiet and asked the Tao for guidance. (laughs) I was taking things way too seriously, it said. (laughs) I was trying to hurry a process that was meant to take longer. I was producing 
not internalizing and practicing, which was the original intent and the beginning to push into the Tao Te Ching in a deeper way for me. So I stopped trying to crank out episodes, relaxed into the process I have now, and have been able to continue this journey with you. The first part of this verse says that a lazy and dull government has content and rich people. An efficient government creates displeasure and strife. So, my slower process, one that spreads my effort out over a week at a time, generates the deeper growth I was after since the beginning. The quick, efficient process brought the opposite. I thought about how this evidence I collected might apply to the rest of my life. How many times during the day am I pushing myself to do things, pushing to be better, pushing against my original nature because I desire something different? I can certainly say that was the case for me at the beginning of the podcast. I lost my original inspiration when I tried to make it efficient, didn't I? Thankfully, it came back, but only after I was able to listen to the doubt and slow down. Allowing natural inspiration to continue to flow. So I feel like the first part of this verse is the backdrop against which we talk about the next thing. We've set the stage to consider doing and doing nothing. (laughs) Sometimes it's good to literally do nothing. Sometimes it's not. Let's have a look now at how without the Tao, things get pretty unclear pretty quickly. growth opportunities and their disguises. So some technical stuff. When you start a podcast, you have the recordings and everything, but the recordings actually have to live somewhere. And there are a lot of different options. So it's kind of like a making of a website. In order to have a website, you need a domain and a host. To store audio files in one place, you need a domain and a host. Now, some of these files are pretty big. Our episodes are usually a gigabyte or higher. Anyway, one of the things about the hosts is they can provide analytics or data about how many folks are listening, where they're from, and you can track the growth of the podcast by comparing previous episodes. This is great, right? You get to see if anything you're doing as a podcaster is having any impact. At the initial launch of this one, the numbers looked promising. And like I said before, you gave me the inspiration to commit and keep going. In the beginning, I would check the numbers like every day. Okay, actually, (laughs) multiple times during the day. And I'd get excited because, you know, the numbers were growing. There have been ebbs and flows in the amount of each episode's downloads, but by and large, it keeps growing. Well, that seems like a success, doesn't it? I mean, to me, I thought it was obvious. But what I didn't see was that on the heels of that notion, my ego was quietly lurking, waiting for his opportunity to take over. There were some days I checked numbers, felt proud about it, and when I went to actually get into the next verse, blank. Like nothing. I didn't know what to say or write. Then there were times where I stopped caring so much about the numbers and I sat down to contemplate and write and sometimes I needed to cut it off so things wouldn't go on forever. So my point is this. 
When things are going well, and I take the quiet acknowledgement of thanks too far, and start using that to feel good and be proud of my work, and then feel like I can be proud of myself, disaster strikes. I get into this place where I lose the Tao, I lose inspiration, and the words just don't flow. To move and to flow, I must remember that I'm only showing up to do the work, that the Tao is the real provider of inspiration. (laughs) And once I do that, everything effortlessly flows again. So in the second part of this verse, Lao Tzu is telling us that disaster is the avenue of opportunity, or calamity is that upon which happiness depends, and that happiness is that in which calamity is latent. Humanity keeps trying to manipulate this paradigm, always striving for the good. And, Lao Tzu says, striving for the good all the time when it is achieved carries the kernel of bad, which at some point overtakes the good, and the cycle continues. A quick look through history will reveal this pattern repeated over and over again. The easiest example I can think of is the way empires rise and fall. It's almost like world economic breathing. (laughs) So what's the lesson in this part? Well, I feel like we can look at the past and acknowledge that what he says seems to ring true. And funny enough, all the empires to which I'm referring occurred after he died. So there seems to be some validation there. But that's only on the large scale of humanity. What about the small scale of our individual lives? As in the podcast story, that was a small way the second part of this verse played out. For me personally, I've had times of economic plenty and of economic not-so-plenty. Rather than look at it as a random pattern of ebb and flow, I can look at this cycle for a moment. There was a time when I had more money than I knew what to do with. I thought it was awesome, and I thought that I needed to start acting the part. You know, hanging out with others of influence, having highbrow conversations about the state of the world, how to solve the problems, going out to fancy restaurants, all the things. Yo, I was way too big for my britches. (laughs) And what happened? I lost sight of what was really important, helping other people. And slowly but surely, I spent all the money and found myself in a place where I needed to make more. So I tried to apply my attitude to business, and the harder I tried, the worse things got. I was placing importance on being smart, on being clever, on coming up with the next business idea that would make lots of money. I'd get into it and start building, and then find out five months in that it was going to be way more work than I thought it was worth, so then I'd try another thing, and another. And at no point did I actually stop to think about serving other people with the business and how it was going to enhance their lives. Nope. It was all about the business. I had this diagram that was three circles, kind of like a short version of the Ikigai circles. This one was what I love doing, what I'm good at, and what folks will give me money for. I took two years to work on it trying to find that intersection of those three things that would bring me the prosperity I thought was my birthright. And it never happened. (laughs) I never made it work. 
I never became the empire-building entrepreneur I thought I'd be. You know why? Because one day, I had a thought. It was a small, seemingly innocuous thought. And when I had it, I wrote it down, and I didn't even consider it that much. But it stayed there, patiently waiting. I looked at it one day and said, Huh. Okay, let me try it out. And bingo. Everything turned around. I realized what I was passionate about and I started feeling fulfilled and yes, started making a steady income. So you know what that thought was? It was, success comes only after I have genuinely helped others. And I found that that empire stuff That wasn't what I really wanted. I just wanted to feel useful and fulfilled. I'd always wanted that. My mistake was confusing getting money and status with that feeling. (laughs) So the cycle started with that. Having more money than I needed. The seed of disaster was planted. It grew, overtook my life until it seemed like I was ruined. And then in a tiny moment... The seed of opportunity was latent in that. I used that to change direction and move forward toward the light. Who can know where this ends up? Asked Lao Tzu. We've been doing this as people for thousands of years. (laughs) I've been doing it for most of my life. That's what we do, I think. We're subject to this yin-yang flow of conditions that we ourselves create. It's just our nature. It doesn't mean that we need to try and stop the seeds of disaster and opportunity from overwhelming us. One point of view says, yes, we should try to keep things in harmony all the time. And another point of view says, eh, that's the way things are. So why try to control that which is bigger than me anyway? (laughs) If I were to think about this in a wu-wei sort of way, I think I'd be comfortable with letting it be the way it is, just aware of it. I can allow circumstances to be as they are, like this cycle, and I can, rather than trying to control the cycle, work on using it to help me refine my reactions to things. And so, refining my reactions to things, trying to stay balanced, is what the third part of this verse is all about. Threading Life's Needle Lao Tzu says that the sage is square but has no rough edges, is bright but not dazzling. In other words, the sage is balanced in her approach. She keeps things within herself as steady as she can, and that is the priority. Not trying to control everything around her, she pays attention to her reactions to those things. Notice we said she doesn't try to control her reactions. She just observes them. I've got this image of a boat navigating through a strait, avoiding tricky outcroppings of rocks and shallow bottoms, or of threading a needle. It seems to me that despite all the challenges, all the opportunities and disasters, the important thing is for us to maintain balance through it all. And how do we do that? Observing things, firstly. And secondly, more of an attitude than anything else. Things we call bad happen, 
And when that's the case, I don't know about you, I tend to internally resist undesirable things or situations or feelings. But what if I saw these things as growth opportunities? Would they be so bad after all? Of course, on the surface, this looks like me just trying to be optimistic about things, right? Like, come on, Dan, when your car breaks and you can't get to work, that's bad, right? (laughs) Well, one could certainly say so and not be wrong, I think. But what else can we say? A broken car and no work would mean that I could look for the opportunity to see the situation as a tool to help me refine my reaction to it, couldn't I? Absolutely. I wouldn't have the opportunity to work on my reaction to it without it. So yes, trying to put a positive spin on things is one thing, but using a seemingly negative situation to become aware of my negativity and dressing it is another. And so that's what I feel like we are called to look at in this third part. The fact that, yes, things are going to happen, and it's not totally about letting them be, although that's the first part. It's also about trying to maintain balance during those things that helps us grow into more evolved versions of ourselves. <laughs> so, taking a step back, I think the takeaway from this verse is this. When I try to force things, it just causes discontent and chaos. So maybe it's better to allow things to occur. But when great things occur, there is almost certainly the chance that not so great things will come out of it. So if I can remain aware of and detached from the ebb and flow of things without trying to control it, I can work on my internal reactions. I may then use the ebb and flow as opportunities to evolve myself. And like threading a needle, I've found a way to approach life that allows me to grow without having to put too much effort into it. (laughs) So... To wrap up my experience with this verse today and considering practicing balance, I thought about three things. Number one, pushing creates resistance. Number two, growth opportunities and their disguises. And number three, threading life's needle. For the final piece of this episode, Let's consider how we can apply the principle of practicing balance in this verse today. Lazy government, the ideal for this verse today. Efficient government, that which makes the people discontent. So we've got these two aspects to think about right now. Let's take a moment to remember that our lazy government or our efficient government can represent our consciousness. Now, rather than using lazy, I like to think it's safe to say a desireless government. One that is there to facilitate things. So, a desireless consciousness. Our natural state. And rather than calling it efficient, let's contrast our desireless consciousness with our unnatural state. That of wanting to impose rules, regulations, and restrictions on our spirit. How do these manifest? For me, I can look at the old desires for emotional security, financial security, social standing, and intimacy demands that I have. And that's one way. The other way is I can sit with my thoughts for a bit and watch my thought patterns. I can allow my thoughts to wander, then when I remember that I'm watching them, 
make a quick list of the thoughts that have been cycling through my mind lately. And for each of those areas, I can look. Where am I mostly content with those thoughts? Where am I not? Where do I have an ambition? A desire? So that's how I feel like we can practice the first part. Now, in practicing the second part of this verse, I can look at those thought patterns and see them as aspects of my life and ask myself again, where am I looking for good things to happen? Is there anything I'm trying to make so that it turns out according to my design? Could I perhaps be trying to create circumstances that will bring me good fortune? Could I see that in doing and achieving this good fortune, the cycle of misfortune lies just behind it? There's no need to try and predict since I feel that would be more of imposing my efficient government on things. I'm just looking for a sense of how things are going. I'm asking, am I allowing the Tao or am I trying to make it work for my own purpose? I feel that either answer is okay. When I look back at my life, I see the Tao at work in spite of my efforts and attempt to wield it for my own benefit. <laughs> I can do this exercise for part two for each area in my life, starting with the security stuff we just mentioned or a thought pattern identification. And now I can put it all together by practicing the third part of this verse. Whatever's going on, whatever I desire or allow, I can sit back and watch it all unfold as a disinterested observer. The only thing I feel like I need to do here is participate. Look for things that are off in my attitudes and make quiet adjustments. Adjustments that help me stay more balanced. So, if I'm ecstatic about a certain thing in my life, I can bring that emotional level back down a bit by remembering that I am not the progenitor of that thing. I needed the Tao's help with it. And <laughs> now if I'm miserable or in a state of discontent over something, I can remember to see it with acceptance, compassion, and humility. I may treat it as a gift, an opportunity to grow. So I feel like the third thing we can do to practice this verse is to willingly participate in maintaining balance. Thank you for taking this journey with me this week. I am in your debt for giving me a reason to push deeper into the Tao Te Ching and the Tao in general. I honor and respect you. I am grateful for your help. Thank you for helping me to practice balance. To close out this episode, I'll leave you with a final reading of verse 58 of the Tao Te Ching, translated by Wing Tsit Chen. When the government is non-discriminative and dull, the people are contented and generous. When the government is searching and discriminative, the people are disappointed and contentious. Calamity is that upon which happiness depends. Happiness is that in which calamity is latent. Who knows when the limit will be reached? Is there no correctness used to govern the world? 
Then the correct again becomes the perverse, and the good again will become evil. The people have been deluded for a long time. Therefore, the sage is as pointed as a square, but does not pierce. He is as acute as a knife, but does not cut. He is as straight as an unbent line, but does not extend. He is as bright as light, but does not dazzle. Thanks for listening to an episode of the Tao Te Ching for Everyday Living with your host, Dan Casas-Murray. This podcast is for the Tao curious, those looking for a random bit of wisdom once in a while, or for those who want to dive into this wonderful teaching. In each episode, we do four things. One, we read a verse of the Tao Te Ching. Two, we break it down into everyday language. Three, we discuss my own thoughts and experience with the Tao. And four, we look at a couple of the many ways you can put the Tao into practice for yourself. That's pretty much how I've been practicing the Tao every day. By listening to Lao Tzu, reflecting on his words of wisdom, listening to other comments, and trying to practice them in everyday life. I'm pretty sure that as I learn about and experience more of the Tao, all my thoughts and lessons will change. I wish the same for you as you grow along your journey. If you found something meaningful in this podcast and would like to discuss it with others, I'd like to encourage you to subscribe to the subreddit Taoism. That's reddit.com slash r slash Taoism. Also, I'd invite you to share this podcast with friends if you think it would benefit them. As always, I wish you love, compassion, and peace. Thanks for listening.